The following podcast contains explicit language. You're listening to Working, the podcast about what people do all day. I'm Jacob Rogan. On past seasons of Working, we've taken you to Detroit and Baltimore. We went to the White House. We talked to cartoonists, to to drag queens. All of our guests, whatever their jobs had, one thing in common. They were all human beings. This season, we're trying to do something a little different. We're going to talk with, or more accurately, about animals with jobs. That's right, animals with jobs, because some jobs are just too cool for humans to do. For our first episode of the season, we're so happy to be sitting down with Debbie Garcia Bengochea. She represents an organization called Gentle Carousel, and what they do is work with these miniature therapy horses. In this episode, we're talking about the lives of those horses and especially about one uh, magic horse, appropriately named Magic. Then, in a Slate Plus Extra, we hear about how Magic became a Briar model portrait horse. Uh, in other words, how Magic got, uh, as the kids apparently understand it, her own action figure, an action figure of herself. If you're a member, enjoy that and other great Slate Plus extras, including transcripts from working. To start your two-week free trial, go to slate.com slash working plus. What is your animal's name and uh, and what does it do? <laughs> well, Magic is a therapy horse and she and her equine friends. Uh, they work with about 25,000 adults and children every year. Inside, She works inside hospitals, hospice programs, uh-huh. and with families, you know, who've experienced traumatic events. Can you just tell me what exactly a, a therapy horse does? I mean, I, I assume that a therapy horse is not, you know, sitting you down uh, on, on a long chaise lounge and asking you questions about your mother. This is a different kind of therapy that we're talking about here, this being a horse. Well, you know, it really depends on the individual situation. Some of them are sitting you down on a chaise lounge? So some are pretty close. Like Magic that's coming in, she was called in to work with the survivors and first responders after mm. uh, Sandy Hook in oh, Newtown. Wow. Um, she worked with the at the um, the church in Charleston. She worked actually with the medical examiner's office in Orlando after the Pulse nightclub tragedy. Mm. So, And then she works with the American Red Cross doing different things. So she was in Gatlinburg after the fires this past year. She was in um, Oklahoma after the more Oklahoma tornadoes, the children that were trapped wow. in the schools. So, you know, she's asked to go out to places to do things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when she's home, she works at a rehab hospital and the other horses in, in the program work at a rehab hospital and they're actually part of the treatment teams with mm-hmm. the occupational, physical and speech therapists. So they work with people who are learning to stand again, who are uh, moving arms and legs after fires, you know, burn victims, people who've had brain injuries. So she's actually been with people who've stood for the first time. She's been with people who've spoken for the first time. So more than just visiting, they actually are part of the treatment teams. One detail that we've kind of glazed over here, these are not like full-sized horses, right? These are mini horses, yeah? They are miniature horses and the horses that are part of Gentle Carousel Miniature Therapy Horses are Uh very small even amongst miniature horses. Okay. They're on the very small side like Magic – is about 100 pounds. So you're really thinking about the size of a large dog. How how much would a normal horse weigh? A, a full-size horse maybe. A full-size horse, sure. 100 yeah. pounds, yeah. But a miniature horse it can be you know, up to 350 pounds. So uh-huh. these guys are, are very much on the small side, which is really important because if you're going up and down elevators and stairs and you're working in small hospital rooms, even a, a regular-sized miniature horse – is that's pretty big to really move around. So being smaller does help and make a big difference. What what role do they play in in treatment or care in these kind of circumstances? And forgive the naivety of the question, but but what is a horse doing for the people that it is doing therapy with? Well, I mean, I think for for basic visits, I mean, obviously, if you're in a 
in a hospital on the 10th floor and you're a child getting chemo and the elevator doors open up and little horses start coming out. It's it's just exciting and you're not thinking about that you're having treatment. You're just thinking there's a horse in my room and that's a great thing. For uh, programs where they're actually working with a treatment team, they are one of the partners when people are learning to walk again. They use the horses to be mm. able to stand and walk if oh, they like are stability. burn victims. Yeah, for stability. Uh-huh. They work with them in the mobility garden. So the horses are doing the same behaviors that the that the patients are learning how to do, which is, you know, walking on different kinds of surfaces, going up and down steps with the patients. For patients who are just learning to move their arms and legs again, they may even just have a horse a brush in their hand and they're reaching out because being a burn victim is very painful, having something else to focus on and working with a horse instead of just doing exercises is also really helpful. Mm-hmm. It just depends on the individual circumstance. Before we go on too, can you also introduce yourself? Tell tell me who you are and how you got involved with this uh, with this miniature horse work, this therapy work. My name is Debbie Garcia Bangachea, and I'm one of the founders of Gentle Carousel Miniature Therapy Horses. And this is actually our 20th year of working. And there are 19 therapy horses that are in the United States, and there's also a team in Greece. But they work with about 25,000 adults and children every year in hospitals and hospice programs and things like that. And they're also part of a reading program. So there are horses that work in schools in high crime neighborhoods uh, doing literacy program with at-risk readers. Again, I, I, I hesitate to ask, but I assume the horses themselves can't read. How do they, how do they help with, with literacy education? What, what's, their, what's the part that they're playing there? Well, we have books that actually match the horses. So uh-huh. the children are reading stories that have the actual characters with them. Oh, so they're books about about the animal, like about magic or other horses. Okay, about the yes, and so and in schools we try to do a lot too with anti-bullying. So we have horses uh-huh. that are spotted, like Dalmatians, and the mm. books that that come with them are about you've been spotted being kind. They give awards to children <laughs> who've been kind to other children at school. Um, the book with the, the spotted horses in the. Um, in the story, he starts black and white, and every time somebody does something kind, one of his colors changes spots. I mean, one of his spots mm-hmm. changes colors, and in mm-hmm. the end, the actual character of the book comes in, and the children get to paint with non-toxic paints a spot and say something kind about oh. another student in the classroom. So again, we kind of do different things with the horses, but also it's a great way of breaking the ice. Magic is a sheriff's deputy with the Alachua Sheriff's Department. So mm-hmm. she – for years, she's been working with them. So they go into high-crime neighborhoods with children and it's a nice icebreaker too for for the sheriff's department. There are tons of factors that it seems like go into this – into the, these horses' lives, their ability to do this job. They're, they're quite small even by miniature horse standards. Uh, I assume though that, that they also uh, have to be really well-trained to be good at – their jobs uh, to be good at all of these different kinds of tasks that they participate in? It takes – well, we always say it takes a lot of work to make it look easy because (laughs) when they visit a hospital, they don't get a practice run. They don't get to see what's in there. They just have to be able to handle the situation. So a lot of the steps, even with magic coming here, she needs Mm -hmm. to go up steps. She'll go up an elevator. She'll walk on different floor surfaces, you know, and come into Mm -hmm. a place Mm -hmm. that she's never been before. But they go through – at least a two-year basic training program, mm-hmm. and then they are constantly gaining experience, learning new skills, and mm-hmm. practicing, you know, all kinds of different things. And really, they are in some of the most challenging circumstances, whether it's emotional or whether it's a, a location. So it really is a rare horse, even if they're small, to be able to be safe and happy working indoors and to really develop confidence in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So wh- what does that training involve? I mean, how do you start to acculturate them to these different environments that they're going to be in, these different kinds of humans that they're going to interact with, all of these things? Is it What's that process like? Well, they actually start as newborns. They are multiple okay. generation therapy horses at this point, and they actually arrive at our training hospitals with their moms. 
So they start getting used to the sights and sounds and everything of a hospital, everything from helicopters landing to alarms going off, the floor surfaces, you know, equipment and wheelchairs. They start doing that as babies. Hmm. So they're, they get used to all of that. And then it's really a lot of developing trust because hmm. you never know what's going to happen. They work in oncology units. They've worked in intensive care units. So there's a lot of equipment around them. There's a lot of people around them. Even going up and down elevators, it's you, they're never empty elevators. They're always full mm-hmm. elevators with, you know, mm-hmm. balloons and whatever it is that people are, are, are working with. So we start them at a very young age. We find that it's been important that even though they're doing very unusual work, that they live as natural a life as possible for a horse. So mm-hmm. most people see them when they're indoors, but when they are home, they have their own long, lifelong herds. They live very, very natural lives. They move as a herd. They have their equine friends. They always travel with other horses because unlike a dog, a horse is a herd animal. And they are prey animal, so the training for them is very different than, you know, a lot of people say, oh, like a therapy dog. But having a dog indoors and a horse indoors is a whole different kind of experience. And it's just a matter of of teaching them all of those individual skills when they work at um, one of their training hospitals with rehab patients, the foals are actually learning the same skills that a lot of the patients are learning how to walk again on different kinds okay. of surfaces, the, right. how to go up and down steps. The patients are doing it with the horses. So they know that even though they're going through a lot, they're actually helping train a horse that's going to help other people, um, even if it's just having a horse that walks next to them with a wheelchair or works in the mobility garden with them. So a lot of the skills are the same, and then the horses will go into the rehab gym as well with those patients. So everybody's kind of learning and giving back and forth with each other. Do Does that training process bring out the quirks in individual animals' personalities? Do they take on different characteristics as they, as they get better at doing their jobs? It does. They are all very different. Everybody approaches things. Each horse is a complete character, and we mm-hmm. know what they like to do. Uh, we know even if they're having an off day and they're, we're planning to take a, a specific horse somewhere, we will switch. And the individual horses themselves only work two days a week maximum. And so they have five days a week just to unwind, be horses, play in the pasture, run around with their friends. And we try to keep in mind that even though they're small and they're really cute, they're horses in every way with the same needs that that all horses have. Like in the wild, a horse will walk 20 miles a day. Their their whole body is set up to be constantly moving. So we set up their habitat where they live so that they are constantly moving. Their food is placed in all different places around the pasture. Their uh, water, everything is set up to keep their bodies moving and functioning like a wild horse. Mm-hmm. And we feel like their health is so much better when they don't feel stressed and that they're happy doing what they're doing. And you may have a horse that you can make do something, but it, unless they are really happy, we say our horses have the biggest egos because they know people <laughs> love to see them. And uh, they really – you have to have the horse that's going, yeah, I'm here, <laughs> you know, and enjoy me. They have to really like what they're doing. So we look for a combination of a horse that's safe and a horse that's happy doing mm-hmm. what they're doing. So it's interesting. You say you're looking for, for specific horses. I mean it- – is there ever a time when one of these miniature horses is going through training and you just reach a point where you say, you know, this horse is not going to, you know, get to the point where it can be a good therapy horse, uh, where this is the right thing for it? You know, it's not a job for every horse. Uh, that has happened much less in the last years because we know who the parents are. We have siblings. And even though they have different personalities, they're, they're born without going personalities. It's amazing to have a baby horse that's only been on, you know, walking for a few minutes that comes right over. Like, hello, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> what are you? So I think for us, having babies that we start at a really young age makes a, a huge difference. Having parents that we know produce 
outgoing horses makes a big difference, and also having moms who trust us completely so that we're able to interact with those babies and they're not, they don't feel protective. They feel like, hey, we're part of the herd. They look up to us. And, and so it's really not been a big issue. I heard magic is here. Oh, boy. <laughs> She's out in the hallway. I think it's pandemonium out there. <laughs> here she comes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Magic, who's coming into the studio? Uh, I, I am amazed uh, and excited to say, coming into the studio right now. What are what are Magic's defining characteristics? What is what are Magic's best jobs or skills? Oh boy, she is. Well, first of all, she weighs about a hundred pounds. She's black. She has bright blue eyes, which is uh-huh. you know most most horses have brown eyes. She's got blue eyes. Um. She is a horse that just seems to find the people in the room that need her most. She's been uh-huh. with people. Oh, she's got the microphone she's playing with. Can, can uh, she say hello to us? She's been – well, we'll see. They're they're playing around over there with her <laughs> and taking photos. She <laughs> uh, She's actually been with someone who woke up from a coma. She was with a woman who spoke for the first time. She'd been in an assisted living program for years and no uh-huh. one had ever heard her speak. And Magic came in and walked over and laid her head in her lap. And uh, the woman said, oh, it's a horse. It's beautiful. And we didn't know that she hadn't – but had not been speaking for years and years and no one there had ever heard her speak. And we looked up and the staff was all crying and they told her they <laughs> loved her. And she said, I love you too. And she continued talking after Magic oh left. So you get to see a lot of wow. little miracles. But yeah. magic tends to be the horse that finds the person in the room that needs her the most. And I mm-hmm. don't know how she does it, but she's she's done it a lot. And she was actually – she was uh, picked by Time Magazine as one of history's 10 most courageous animals. And she's cool. AARP's most heroic pet in America uh-huh. and a Reader's Digest power of one hero. And uh, This is a celebrity horse we have. She's <laughs> – she's – She's gotten around. National Geographic did the Book of Heroes with Nelson Mandela and Abraham Lincoln, and she made the cut for for that. And like I said, she's a sheriff's deputy. She was inducted into the U.S. Equestrian Equus Foundation Hall of Fame and, uh, you know, lots of other different things. So she's she's been a hero. We're just her staff. But she really just represents what all of the horses do, getting out. I mean, they each have their own story. She's a Briar model horse. So as one little boy in the hospital said, she has her own action figure. And uh, But yeah, all the, <laughs> the people are squeezing in. She's very good. They're taking pictures. But she's just able to handle a, a lot of things. But she's also been at the right place at the right time where really yeah. interesting things have happened. And, and she really does represent the good work that all of the gentle carousel horses do. The team over in Greece, I'm watching people sitting. She does selfies. So she's gotten very good. She's doing selfies right now. She leans in and uh, people take pictures in hospitals. But right now the <laughs> this crew here is doing selfies in front of me. No distraction. But uh, the team of horses in Greece actually worked with, in the Syrian refugee camps with the orphans there. And they work in orphanages. So every – all of the horses have their own strengths, the things that they would rather do, and we really try to adapt to what their strengths are. So there may be a horse that isn't the best working with adults but loves children, or we have horses that will work in hospice programs. Magic was at a a hospice program. There was a little girl who uh, – her last request, she wanted a tea party with the horses. So all of the horses, including Magic, came with tuxedos and all her little cousins came in princess dresses. And, you know, that's making a memory sometimes is mm-hmm. is the best thing that you can do for a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. does, uh, <laughs> uh, does she ever wear cute outfits? Well, she has she has a tuxedo. So when she was inducted into the oh, Hall okay. of Fame, she was able tuxedo. to actually be there. Yeah, she had a tuxedo on. Uh, they usually wear therapy vests, but sometimes if there's a special event or something special for a child, we have uh, volunteers who will make special outfits for them. Mm-hmm. They don't wear shoes on their feet. I know some horses, you know, they'll have the little sneaker things, but these guys just get used to, you know, part of the training is to be able to handle lots of different kinds of floor surfaces. Mm-hmm. But right now she's got a uh, a jacket on 
with her name on it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they they also have, depending on the weather and things like that, they have have little jackets that they wear. So she's uh, she's making a lot of friends. <laughs> <They're> all, yes, <laughs> she is. What's the best way to learn a language? Immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day in everyday situations. But if that's not on the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. I've used apps in the past to learn new languages, but when I came across Babbel, I wondered if it could help me refresh my knowledge of a language I once spoke well, but was now a little bit or quite a lot rusty. I have to say, I was impressed. The advanced lessons were really useful, tips and idioms that can help with in-depth conversations on topics that I can actually imagine chatting about. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations, and the tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. What's more, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for working listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for working listeners, at babbel.com working. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com working, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com working. Rules and restrictions may apply. So, so since Magic is here with us in the studio today, uh, can you lead us through a kind of, to the extent that there is such a thing, a typical day in her working life? You said she works, they work two days and are off five days, mm-hmm. which sounds like a much better work-life balance than most of the guests that we have on this show, it's, most it's, of whom are workaholics. It's a good gig. It's a pretty good gig, as, I probably assume, as, as far as gigs go. But what's a working day like for her? Yeah. Well, physical, physically and going out to work for them, you know, they get a lot of hugs and kisses and attention. So mm-hmm. you really do need a horse that has a big ego and really likes being with people. <laughs> but like magic is here because this – today she was doing a program. She visited a hospice program. She visited children at a Ronald McDonald house. Mm-hmm. And she was at the rehab hospital and she actually stopped in um, to a bookstore too because she has a reading program. Reading is magic. So <laughs> that was her day today. And it really is different. I mean we have some regular places we visit but the horses mm-hmm. rotate on yeah. on those days. So she happens to be the one that was on deck for today. So that's what she did today. And you really want the horses to want to go. Like her little her little brother, Cloudburst, uh, at one time got in the trailer when it wasn't his turn. Like we wouldn't notice <laughs> that he wanted to go. And sometimes they'll follow the down the driveway of the farm. They'll uh-huh. follow the trailer whinnying because, you know, they want to turn. And that's what we really want. We want them to have enough time off the individual horses that when it's their turn, they're happy. They're excited to go out. They're looking forward to to be with people. I mean, she's here on campus, so you can imagine just trying to get her from the horse trailer <laughs> to the studio. It's it's. I mean, she did Times Square, so she can handle anything. But it's pretty much pandemonium when she when she gets out. Mm-hmm. And so she just took a whole bunch of photos with people, and just now, and they just finally left her, and now she's checking out all of the equipment here in the, yeah. <laughs> here in the room. <laughs> But their days, it it really depends, and and well, when do they get when do they get started in the morning? Though I mean, like you know, you know, normally I would ask a guest like, oh, do you have you know, when do you have breakfast in the morning? When do you first check your email? What what, what is what is the sort of morning before a horse like Magic gets to work like uh, for her? Well, usually the day before they get clipped and trimmed, and you know, it's like going to a horse show. They look they look beautiful. And then the day that she goes out, that's the day that she gets bathed. Her hooves are disinfected. Um, 
She gets everything she needs depending on where she's going. If she's visiting with children in a hospital, she has sparkles in her mane and tail, and we tell the kids it's fairy dust. And if they get some (laughs) on their hands, it means they're going to have a good day. So everybody's trying to get the the sparkles from her mane and tail. Uh So it really depends on the individual day. But for today, um, it was working at a rehab hospital with patients. It Mm -hmm. was being with uh, people in hospice care. And uh, sometimes with the children, we have double lead lines. And, and if the children are able to go outside, you know, she'll go for a walk with an individual child if they're well enough to do it. So we try to get a lot of one-on-one time with patients. And that's what she's so good at. She'll lay her head in their laps. She'll engage with them. And she treats different people in different ways. If she's with children who are healthy at a reading program, she's very different with them than when someone is sick. When a child is sick, she's just much calmer. She'll gently lay her head in their lap. We don't teach the horses tricks. We teach them all of the things that they need to be safe indoors and to do the work that they do. But we want people to know that when she walks over to them and she engages with them, that it's her, that she's choosing them, that she's you know interacting with them, and that it's a real relationship between the patient and the horse. So she doesn't receive direct cues from you in those moments? She, no. She picks no. up the cues herself? She knows when she's supposed to walk with someone. She'll go in. But once she's in, we, as much as possible, we let her pick which patient she wants to go over to or what she wants to do with that individual patient. And I think it, it makes a big difference. And it kind of makes the magical things happen, where if we were just having her do a trick with them, I don't think they would feel the same way and there probably wouldn't be the same kind of results. We've had, um, like at the rehab hospital, we've had people who've stood for the first time with the horses, Mm -hmm. who've spoken Mm -hmm. for the first time. And, you know, I think sometimes that happens just because we allow the relationship to happen. Mm. So on on a day like today where she has several different venues that she's visiting, several different contexts that she's going to be in, um, how is she getting transported around. I assume she's not galloping from one place to the next. Is there a special vehicle that she goes in? We have a, a horse trailer and a, uh, and a and a truck. I'll make my pitch. We are as a charity trying to get a minivan, which would make parking okay. a whole different experience yeah. than it was parking here. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And But uh, normally she's in a, in a horse trailer and it's set up with a stall. When she goes from – like when she'll finish this visit – in, into the studio, she'll get a treat when she gets back into her trailer. She knows what sort when of she's done. She, like? she gets forage. We try to keep them on a really natural diet. Uh-huh. And so she gets her favorite forage horse food and she'll have a treat. And, you know, we try to let her know when she's done, when it's over. And she, she prances, she changes. Once she leaves the door, she goes from being very calm. Right now she's being very, very careful and very calm. And when she's done, she prances. And I, we always said that kids would not recognize her to see the way she is when she's off duty. She's quite a diva. She feels really hmm. good about herself. <laughs> and when she heads back to the horse trailer, you can always see this little prance that she does when she knows <laughs> that it's over. And when they get back home, we do different things with them depending on the individual horse. Sometimes we'll have an equine massage, you know, to help them relax. If they've been in a really stressful situation, uh, we want to make sure that they, you know, that they're really well cared for too. And then when the horses go back, they immediately go back in with their own little herd of horses, their long-term friends. And it's always funny because when they, they go back out into the pasture, the whole herd will come running from wherever they are and gather around that horse. Like, what have you been up to? And then they all will walk away together. So, you know, we feel like a horse that's stressed can have health issues, a horse that feels like they have a family. We can't take the place with the horses, even though they love us, of having a real natural herd and a place where they can just be a horse and roll and play and do all the things that a horse does. So when she's done today, you know, when any horse is is done, they get to go back to the farm and just kick back (laughs) and relax and enjoy themselves. How So when they are with people, though, I mean, how long do those sessions usually last? Does it depend on the kind of 
person they're visiting uh, or the kind of environment that they're in? It does. I mean, it depends on the um, it depends on the individual situation, how that patient is doing, what they can hold mm-hmm. up and do. They might she might spend the whole time at a certain place with one patient, or you know, in a hospital they may go from room to room and see different patients. So it really does depend on the individual situation. Can I take a pause here for just one quick second? Of course, and take, yeah. <laughs> let me move over just yeah, one yeah, moment. Yeah. I'm back. <laughs> I took a picture of her playing with the mic. I'll send it to you. <laughs> oh, yeah, wonderful. <laughs> she's Thank decided you. she's a uh... – so, you know, I mean, like she was with a, a little boy who – this is specifically today. came to see her, you know. Uh-huh. So sometimes when you're with a, a, a child that you've, you've set something up and it's specifically for that child who's getting chemo or mm-hmm. whatever happen, is happening with them, then they really spend time with that child. We have um, children that come into town for treatment because, you know, we're mm-hmm. in a college town with a lot of, a lot of hospitals and things like that. When they come into town, they have a specific horse that actually is their friend. And mm-hmm. we make sure that that child and the same horse picks up every time. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, so if that's the case and their special friend is coming to see them, they may spend a half an hour, 45 minutes with an individual child. Mm-hmm. And and do they build up relationships with specific humans over the course of multiple visits? Or is it more of they a do. kind of one-off thing? Okay. No, they, they really get to know people and they, you know, or sometimes I know, you know, since we're kind of focusing on magic, yeah. um, we, she sort of picks out people that she knows and she, like there was a, you know, she'll go right to those people and sometimes she just seems like she kind of knows the people who need her the most. Mm-hmm. So we were, we were at a nursing home recently and there was a woman there who hadn't been out of her room and, and, in months and months and months. But it turns out that she had been an equestrian her whole life. And so she wound up leaving the room and she had a little picture in her lap of her on a horse when she was a kid. And she was in a wheelchair and she wanted to make sure that she didn't get left, left behind. Mm. So, you know, magic went right over to her. She picked her out of the crowd, and we didn't know the situation. When when the horses go in, we don't have a background. We just kind of have to go with it. But mm-hmm. magic seems to just find that person, whether it's the person who wasn't talking or the woman who hadn't been out of her room, who was an equestrian. She was with a woman um, over the holidays who was in hospice, and they she was also an equestrian, and she had pictures of horses all around her in her room. And they said, well, she probably won't know that magic is even there. But magic went over and put her head on the bed and all of a sudden the hand comes out from the covers and mm-hmm. reaches up and put, puts, mm-hmm. you know, her, she put her hand on her nose. So we know that uh, she knew what was going on and she was able to see a horse one last time, which was really nice. So, you know, each each circumstance is different. Each time is different. That particular one, we went to that assisted living program just to, you know, just to spend time with that particular woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about, I mean, it, you know, it sounds like some of these interactions can be pretty magical, especially when the, the horse... Uh, I, I say that realizing I've unintentionally pond here. Ma- magic's interactions with humans can sometimes be kind of magical. I assume the other horses can be as well. But there must be times when it's there, there are other challenges that come into play. Uh, you know, children are children. Are they ever unruly uh, around the horses? Do they ever get jealous for their attention? Things like this. Well, you know, it, it's interesting. They're obviously different kids. You know, react to things in different ways. Mm-hmm. And our job with the horses, you know, I was a school principal, so we're pretty good with kids. <laughs> but our job is to protect the horses. They mm-hmm. know that they are safe no matter what happens, you know, that we have their back. We're going to look out for them. So if a child is, you know, being too active or doing anything with a horse, we make sure that actually that that doesn't happen mm-hmm. because when the horses are in a setting – whether it's a helicopter landing right next to them, whether it's alarms going off, you'll see them looking at their handlers. Are we good? 
You know, mm-hmm. they want to, they know that they're going to be taken care of. And that's why even with the training process, that the goal is there are some people with horses who feel like you need to be the boss or that the horse, you know, breaking horses, that you need to make sure that they know, you know, that you're in charge. But we feel like with the training with these therapy horses, it's so important that it's a relationship and that it's a team because in the, you know, in the real world, there's always going to be something that comes up that the horse is more afraid of than you. But if you're their friend, if you have their back, then it's amazing what they are willing to do and the yeah. trust that they have when something happens way out of the ordinary that even, you know, we weren't expecting to happen. They stay solid, you know, no matter what. So, you know, we usually have a team of people that walk with the horses when we're doing mm-hmm. big crowds to mm-hmm. make sure that nobody runs up or grabs or nothing happens and the horses know that we're doing that for them. Almost like a, a celebrity's entourage, it sounds like. But yeah, we're just the and, servants. And careful. <laughs> but <laughs> but it is. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. And it sounds like they usually just go out I mean, Magic today was was on her own. I mean, apart from from her her handlers, the humans that were with her. And she's traveling with a buddy. Yeah. Okay. So she is traveling with another with another horse. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, so how does how does that part of it work? Um do they they usually go out in pairs or, or is it ever more? Uh sometimes it's more depending on the mm-hmm. the circumstances, you know, when um like when we took horses up to Sandy Hook, there were three horses that went up there together to work because we knew there would be a lot of people and a lot of things going on. But because they're herd animals, they are just much happier even if she just has a ride along friend, if she's the one that's called in to do something, she still has a ride-along friend with her mm-hmm. so that when she goes back to the, the horse trailer, there's a buddy that's waiting for her, that travels with her. And then especially because the horses do, you know, they do road trips. Like they visit children's and veterans' hospitals across the country. And so when they travel, they always travel in groups. There's, you know, we don't ever send a horse out to spend a lot of time by themselves just because that's not their nature. That's mm-hmm. they are herd animals, and so we try to adapt what we ask them to do with who they are naturally. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. A more practical question about their day-to-day lives. Um, what does their upkeep actually involve? Um, what kind of resources go into making sure that they have good and and full lives so that they can be helpful to the humans that they interact with? Well, miniature horses are very long-lived. They can live into their 30s. How old is Magic? Magic's nine years old. Okay. So they have very, very long lives. Mm-hmm. And they, um, again, I think that the most important thing for us is because they do such unusual work that it's important that they have really natural lives for their health. So, I mean, they have all of the same – they need all of the same care that a full-size horse needs, except that our horses, they don't have shoes, They but their feet need to be worked on by a farrier. They never have a bit in their mouth, so, you know, they don't have some of those things. But all of the the other work, it's a smaller amount, but they need the same food, the same kind of of vet care, everything – that uh, a horse, you know, a full-size horse needs. But what we've tried to do is set up an actual habitat, just kind of the same way that a zoo will set up a habitat 
for and for animals that are at a zoo because these guys are basically the same as a wild horse in every way that they are made up. We try to keep in mind that they are just, you know, wild horses in captivity. So everything that we do, we want to make sure that they can move, they can run, they can play. They're in a large area of space so that, that you know, they are real horses and they get to have – they have a herd. There's a herd leader. Everything that they do, I mean, horses – need REM sleep. People think they always are, you know, sleep standing up, but they need a certain amount of time where they lay down. And so part of the herd will lay down and sleep and the others will watch over them. Hmm. And so we try to let them have everything that they would be if they were living in the wild, that they get to make choices where they want to eat, where they want to go. And just that feeling of freedom we think is important to their happiness and it makes them better therapy horses when they are working. They also have livestock guardian dogs, maremmas, that live with them to protect them, that move with the herd with them. And they're very attached to those dogs as well. One of my favorite internet rabbit holes that I fall down uh, is interspecies friendships. I love when two very different kinds of animals, say a turtle and a bird, uh, are friendly with each other, uh, whether it's just for a short video or for their whole lives. Um Tell me about that relationship between the the, the dogs uh, and and the horses. How do they interact with one another? Well, maremmas are an interesting breed. They're a big, white, fluffy dog, and they're a 2,000-year-old breed from Italy. And what they do is whatever they're raised with, they're bond, they bond with, whether mm. it's with sheep. They've used them in uh, protecting uh, penguins, endangered mm -hmm. penguins on islands. They, they're very flexible. So these Maremma puppies were brought up with our horses with lots of supervision when they were younger. And they really – the horses treat them like they are part of the herd. The dogs are attached to the horses the way that we usually think of dogs being attached to humans. It, it's hard as a human because you're used to dogs mm -hmm. thinking you're really awesome. <laughs> but these dogs are very independent thinkers and they need to be because they need to make decisions. And they are as attached to the horses as you would think a dog would be attached to a human. They watch out for them, but not like a guard dog and not like a dog that maybe protects a perimeter of a property. They live with the herd. They move with the herd of horses and, you know, they'll come up and let us pet them and then they're like, oh, I got to go and be with my real <laughs> friends and they go back out. And the uh, the dogs are about the same weight as the horses uh, in, in, in many cases. But actually the the horses, if a dog, if one of the Maremmas, we have two, Vigil and Gardenia, and if they're laying down watching the herd, we'll have horses that will come over and just lay down next to them, hmm. which, you know, they feel – the same way about the dogs as they would go and lay down next to another horse. So I don't know whether the dogs think they're horses <laughs> or the horses think they're dogs, but they have an amazing relationship. It's it's really I'm something. Dead to with see. joy at this. This has killed me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I need a therapy horse to bring me back from the dead right now. Uh, are there other animals that they interact with? I mean, they are out in the open in the wild. Do they ever? You know, and they're small. Do they ever encounter uh, other animals on the on the property on the farm? Uh, we do our best to make sure they don't. The dogs mm -hmm. help the actual farm, their habitat that they're in, because you know there are dogs that are out, and we've had experiences with with people letting their dogs run loose and things like that. There's mm -hmm. barbed wire buried around the entire perimeter of the farm. We put up double fences. There's electricity. There's a lot that we've put in place to keep the horses safe because we want them to live a natural life and to be able to be out moving around like they need to. And then I think adding the dogs to the whole mix to protect them. And the, if anything comes anywhere near the property, the dogs are extremely vocal. And we've got cameras watching and all of that kind of thing too. But I, I don't think there's been anything like the way these maremmas have been with the horses and how safe it makes the people who follow the horses on social media who love them love the dogs as well because we post pictures of them together and hanging out and, and – uh, they, yeah, it's a pretty extraordinary the way that these dogs 
And even though there was some a little bit of training that you can do, they are not dogs to be trained. You know, they don't do the come sit thing. But 2,000 years of instinct, it's remarkable to see yeah. how much they, you know, they grow and become what they're supposed to be. Yeah. So let me ask a kind of broad philosophical question. This, why do you think these horses are so helpful to people? What makes them such a positive force in the lives of of children, of, of elderly folks, uh, of, of refugees, of others that they that they encounter and help care for? Well, I think there's just something magical about horses. You know, every every child wants a pony. You know, every little girl wants a pony. And it doesn't matter if you're terminally ill or not. You still have that same desire. There's something really magical about a horse. And because it's out of context, too, I mean, we love therapy dogs, but a horse indoors is a whole different kind of situation. And unexpected and out of context. And so it really makes it even more magical to have a horse walking around indoors and, you know, doing doing that kind of thing. But I, I just think that a horse, too, there's a sense in them that is – that they're wild, that they are making that decision to be with you. It's not like a, a you know, a domesticated animal – like a dog, there is a difference in the feeling of a horse. And I think, you know, when people are around horses, they just love them. And and especially if it's in the middle of a city, you know, when you're not yeah. expecting to see it, especially if it's in a high-rise building or you're in hospice. And, you know, a lot of times with older people, I mean, we met uh, – a gentleman in the very last part of his life that had been a stunt double for the Lone Ranger and Roy Rogers, and to be able to bring a horse to him one last time in a setting where he never thought he would ever see one again. I mean, that's that's a truly amazing kind of thing to be able to do for someone. To be with uh, a child, because um, we're trying to focus stories on magic, but she sure. was with a little boy who they had told him he had brain cancer and that he was going to lose his his vision. And she was, oh, you know, she was there. And he said, I just want to see her one last time. I don't want to forget what she looks like. It's like she can see inside my soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that really is what they're like. You know, she goes over to him. She puts her forehead on his forehead. He look, you know, he's looking at her. And they just feel like a lot of the children that they have a very special friend who cares about them. And who is meaningful for them. And, you know, sometimes you can't fix you can't fix cancer. You can't fix certain things. But if you can make someone happy for just a little while, Magic was with, you know, with a, a little boy who'd been in the hospital his whole life. And he was obviously very near the end and he wanted to be with her. And the doctors hooked him up to his oxygen and everything that he needed. And and he was laughing and we take photos for the families. And, and when we were getting ready to leave, his mother said, we've never had a happy day and now we'll always have a happy day. Hmm. So hmm. again, you can't fix everything, but if you can give a family a happy day, that, that means something. Yeah. Yeah. Where can people find out more about uh, magic and the other horses and, and the work that you all do? Uh, well, we're on social media. It's Gentle Carousel Miniature Therapy Horses. They can Google us. And we have a Facebook page and Instagram and things like that. And we try to post every day where the horses are. Magic will be, you know, <laughs> she'll be here <laughs> in the studio. But we try to we try to post and, and uh, we also have – uh, pen pals, children who are not able to travel themselves mm. because of health reasons. We send letters of where magic is. So we always try to find child-friendly things to do in the city wherever she is and be able to share that with children. So whether it's visiting the the pandas at the Atlanta Zoo or, you know, wherever, whatever interesting thing is going on, we try to do that as well. But people can see where we are on our website. It's just uh, you know, they can just put gentle carousel. And and you're a nonprofit. They can they can support you there too, right? Yeah, this is the our twentieth year and it's an all volunteer charity. No one gets paid. So all twenty five thousand patients or people that are worked with every year, it's because of volunteers. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for bringing in, uh, bringing in magic. Um, uh, it's just been such a delight to learn about this. I am filled with joy, uh, overflowing with it. And I can imagine that, uh, magic is magical as are the other horses uh, in her. She is. <laughs> I won't take away, I won't take away from the other horses. They are all magical, but we really appreciate the chance to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to this episode of Working. I'm Jacob Brogan. Uh, if you like our show, uh, I want to encourage you to check out the Audio Book Club, Slate's very own book club. Each month, we pick a book uh, and then a panel of Slate writers and guests discuss it. Check out the archives for episodes on The Handmaid's Tale, uh, White Noise, Infinite Jest, Catcher in the Rye, and so many more. Uh, or check out the most recent episode on Her Body and Other Parties, by Carmen Maria Machado, uh, a really remarkable book that, that you've got to find out about uh, if you haven't read it already. Slate's Audio Book Club is available wherever you get your podcasts. Here at Working, we also always love to hear from you. You can email us via working at slate.com. If you know a cool animal that we should talk to, let us know. You can also listen to past episodes at slate.com slash working. This episode was produced and edited by Benjamin Frisch. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.